I have been thinking all week about the word no. It's a small word with a long history in the church. We usually associate no with rules, specifically what's off limits for Christians. The Apostle Paul liked to make long lists with fancy words like avarice and licentiousness. Today, depending on where you are in the Christian landscape, you might be told certain rules like no dancing. Kevin Bacon is overly strict pastor dad and footloose. You remember that? Or no drinking, instrumental music, statues, images, swearing, premarital shenanigans. Come to think of it, there are several Christian no's when it comes to relationships, depending on the denomination. Over the years, the church has spent an enormous amount of time on the list of things we should not do. But that is only one small use of the word no. Rules, whether good or not, they are good ones. They're just the introductory level of religion. Things get far more interesting from there and more complicated. Every human heart is confronted by challenges that cause us to veer off track from ourselves, from one another, and from God. Each one of us can be swayed by destructive things. Sometimes this is clear and straightforward, and we know that we need to change course At other times, we find ourselves enmeshed with things we once thought innocent or good that turned out not to be. When that happens, no becomes a word with a great deal of power in the life of faith, especially when it's used as a tool against true temptation. Now, every year at the beginning of Lent, we pray the litany of penitence, on Ash Wednesday, much like the litany we chanted this morning. And every year it moves me deeply with its beauty and its honesty. In it, we confess a broad and truthful list of the spiritual temptations into which we fall. We confess the ways that we have not loved God very well and how we have not been true to the mind of Christ. We confess our unfaithfulness, and the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives. Our self-indulgent appetites and ways, our mistreatment of others, our anger at our own frustration, our envy of others, our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts, and the dishonesty in our daily life and work. We pray for our negligence in prayer and worship, and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. We ask God to accept our repentance for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, for all false judgments and charitable thoughts toward others, our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, for our waste of God's good creation, and our lack of concerns for those who come after us. And finally, we ask God to restore us 
and to accomplish in us the work of God's salvation. I don't think I have ever heard a more honest description of the temptations we all fall into in the spiritual life, nor a more beautiful description of the hope that we will find our way again. The Litany of Penitence is a powerful reminder that we should ask ourselves with some regularity what we need to say no to in the name of our faith. In today's Gospel, we find ourselves in the wilderness with Jesus, facing his own temptations. His clear no is one that we need to hear, to be reminded of our power to say no to the temptations in our lives. Now, the devil figure in the scene is far more clever than we usually give him credit for. The options he offers to Jesus might seem easy or obvious to reject, turning stones into bread, jumping off the temple roof to be caught by angels, and agreeing to bow down to the devil in exchange for all the power in the world. But like all true temptations, these are difficult because they are more ambiguous than simple. For example, imagine how many hungry people Jesus could feed if he turned all those desert stones into food. Imagine how many people could be brought to faith if they could see him saved from a disastrous fall. And imagine how much good Jesus could accomplish if he ruled the kingdoms of the world, having only to pay the small price of bowing to the devil. In an interesting side note, the scripture casually mentions that the devil has authority over all the kingdoms of the world. Headlines over the past week would seem to agree. The world was troubled in Jesus' time as it is today. And Jesus' resounding no to pride, to power, to possessions, temptations faced by every one of us and world leaders alike, his response is a clear and powerful no. Over and over again throughout his ministry, Jesus modeled for us how to say no to temptation while saying yes to sacrificial love and the way of the cross. Sometimes the word no is the most powerful word we have as followers of Jesus. Now, Episcopalians are perhaps not as well known as other denominations for what we stand against. Things like dancing or instrumental music or who can get married or ordained. But we have some very important no's to say. At our best, we say no to the temptations in the litany of penitence, to idolatry, to hardness of heart, and to a lack of concern for the least and the lost. When we fall into such things as we all do, today's gospel calls us back. And at times, the church over the years has lost its way, too. But it can be called back by the power of a faithful no. When the state churches in Germany signed over their support of Hitler's regime, theologian Karl Barth famously pounded his fist on the table and said no. 
I'm sure it was more impressive in the German with a loud nine. <laughs> but this act inspired a group of pastors to write a joint declaration rejecting the co-optation of the church by an evil and earthly power, and the confessing church in Germany was born. It, could, it would continue to oppose totalitarianism and fascism for years to come, and in the wilderness of temptation, there are times, thank God, when the church has said no. Church life is often about our yeses in wonderful ways, how we can help one another, what programs we can offer, what we can do to support people in crisis, as in Ukraine right now. Our yes can be powerful, but there are times when our no is needed too, when we inevitably lose our way into the temptations, and when the idolatries of pride and power and possessions get the best of us. So as we begin our Lenten journey this year, I invite you to consider the power of the word no for your Christian discipleship. Because of your faith, what do you need to say no to? What temptations have snuck into your life, even under the cover of something good or promising, but they've let you, led you astray from yourself, from others, or from God? The gospel reminds us that those temptations are really nothing compared to the sacrificial love and grace of Jesus. In him we have the power to say no to anything less.